you are listening to the Healing Pact Podcast, a place where women of color come to share their stories and their revelations. This includes the good, the bad, and the ugly. Here we highlight resilience as we validate and normalize real emotions and real experiences. We push ourselves to be a beacon of hope and an advocate for change. I am your host, Melina Sadler, a licensed therapist and a mom of an autistic warrior. I'm here to support and educate you on your options for managing your mental health. Thank you so much for listening. Be well and be encouraged. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Healing Pack podcast. I'm your host, Melina Sadler, licensed mental health counselor in the state of New York and licensed professional counselor in the state of Connecticut. First and foremost, I want to apologize to you all for not putting out an episode in the last two weeks. It's been a very busy couple of weeks just between my mother's my late mother's birthday on the 21st and my son's birthday was right after. And last week, unfortunately, I was pretty sick and honestly, I didn't have a voice to record. But I wanted to make sure that now we are in a new month that I did not miss the important events that are going on in the month of April. So April is a pretty big awareness month, um, one of those things being autism acceptance, and of course, as I've done in recent seasons, sexual assault awareness month. I wanted to start off with autism because this is something that is newer in my life particularly and something that I've been learning more about as I've been learning more about my son and his difficulties. So autism um, for the month of April is um, called Autism Acceptance Month. We have specific days during the month that people do different events to try to bring awareness to autism. Um, so they have like World Autism Day and there are a lot of different companies and organizations out there that do a lot of funding. They put on a lot of events. They might do like marathon walks and all those things to contribute to the consistent research of autism, as well as providing resources for families who want to learn more about it, but also get their children and loved ones the help that they need. So what is autism? Autism is a spectrum of developmental conditions that affect how people communicate, interact, and perceive the world. Autism is considered a disorder, and I want to highlight this because there was a recent um, news snippet on Good Morning America that referred to autism as a disease, which was very hurtful and upsetting to a lot of families who have loved ones with autism. And I just wanted to make sure that autism is referred to as a disorder because that's exactly what it is. As far as the acronym for it, most people will call it ASD, which is Autism Spectrum Disorder. So the other important word there is spectrum because there is no real there's no real way to gauge what type of autism your child has unless they have extensive testing. So some some people you may hear over the years may have mentioned um, 
is your child high functioning or low functioning? And I'm realizing with recent research, they're moving away from that because what we know about autism and what we see is that these children and individuals with autism have very brilliant ways of going about doing things. They have a lot of strengths. So to consider them high functioning and low functioning can be a little dismissive to the skills that they actually do have. So when you think about them on a spectrum, it's a lot easier for people to use the terms level one, level two, and level three, which really just speaks to the severity of the disorder, but also can help you gauge what skill sets your child or loved one has. So autism or ASD refers to a broad range of conditions which are characterized by challenges, mostly with social skills. You'll see some repetitive behaviors, speech, and also nonverbal communication. According to the CDC, autism affects about one in 36 children in the United States today. I find that number to be very interesting because I'm noticing there is an increase in the diagnosis of autism. And I'm not sure necessarily what the increase is about, but I'm hoping that it is having more information about it, more education on it. I think that parents are getting a lot better at spotting some of these symptoms um, and challenges that some of their children are having. And because of that, they're able to kind of pick up on it a lot earlier. So they're able to ask the right questions when they're taking their children to the doctor and vice versa. And I feel like screening tools have also become more prevalent where doctors are asking the right questions. Because I feel like if you're a first-time parent, you likely may not know what you're looking for. You know, becoming a parent, you're learning your child just like they're learning you. And you may not really notice the little nuances that might be related to something like autism. So signs of autism usually appear by the age of two or three. Um, However, it can be spotted as early as about 18 months. Um, So you will possibly see some developmental delays that appear pretty early. Uh, One thing about development and children, there are a lot of charts and stuff out there that help you know what your child should be doing at a certain age. But as we know, children have their own pace and their own way of communicating and doing certain things and hitting certain milestones. And as a new parent, it's very easy to become a stickler with those things and to become very anxious that your child may or may not be doing certain things. As a therapist, for me, I didn't put too much weight on what my son can and cannot do, but I was definitely hypervigilant in a way where I made kind of like mental notes, you know, of what he can and cannot do because I definitely saw my son excel in a lot of areas compared to children his age. And then there were certain areas where he was a little slower in. And those areas for me were obviously speech and eating, which essentially goes hand in hand because it deals with the development of you know, the mouth. Um, As you know, when we speak, we have to form our mouth in certain ways in order to say certain things. So he did do the mamas and the dadas and the gagas and the babbling. But I noticed by a certain time, the babbling was pretty still persistent and no real words were being formed. And at one point they did form. And I would say it was more so names of people in the house. So like 
my brother, my mom at the time, my dad. Um, he would try to say everyone's name. Um, he would repeat, you know, certain words. He knew what things were. So I never really necessarily thought that he might have been delayed in speech until about 19 months, which a lot of times I'm noticing that if you're really paying attention, a lot of children typically do have some sort of regression in their development after one. So maybe around the one and a half uh, mark. So around 19, 20 months is when I started noticing the babbling was pretty persistent again. And everything that he used to say, he stopped saying. So he stopped saying mom, mommy, stopped saying dada, and there were just no new words being formed despite his interest in books and toys. And that's when I started to feel a little concerned and brought it to his pediatrician's attention because there are screening tools that you get during the children's physical. Um, I don't remember the exact name of it. I know it starts with an M, but typically it asks you a bunch of questions about what your child is capable of doing and they usually score it to let you know if your child should be referred to something called early intervention, which basically is an organization that comes out and does like developmental assessments on your child. Typically, um, you would request what your concern is. So in my son's um, instance, it was speech, but they also sent a developmental um, evaluator as well to see if there were other areas based on my answers to the questions and his observation that he might need follow-up evals. So in my son's um, situation, he definitely needed assistance with speech, but he also needed assistance with OT. And obviously there were the characteristics that seemed associated with autism, and that led to him being evaluated by a psychologist. So what are the core symptoms of autism? Because if you don't know what they are, you won't necessarily know to be looking for them. So the core symptoms of autism deal with social communication challenges as well as restrictive and repetitive behaviors. So you looking at your child would notice this with things like eye contact, uh, poor eye contact. My son used to look at me um, for pictures and things like that. He always did really well with eye contact. And then I noticed at some point he would look everywhere but me. You know, calling his name, he's not responding the way he used to. Uh, taking pictures of him now, it takes a great deal of time because he literally looks everywhere but the camera. Um, you know, so those are some earlier signs that I noticed. Facial expressions. I noticed that my son did not have a range of emotions. Um, when he's happy and playful, he smiles. When he's upset, he cries. He did not have like a surprised face, a shock face, um, an angry face or anything like that. Um, and I noticed that he didn't do well with recognizing emotional expressions either. Typically, a child with normal development will be able to spot when someone else is sad um, and they might try to offer that person comfort like a hug or patting them on the back or trying to ask them what's wrong. Why are you crying? Uh, to this day, if I'm crying, my son may look at me and walk away. 
He doesn't necessarily recognize that crying is an emotion that means sadness and and requires some level of comfort. So there are some challenges recognizing emotional expressions, um, taking turns in conversation. um, That's for verbal individuals who may just have difficulty understanding the information that's going back and forth in the conversation. Individuals with autism tend to be pretty literal. Um, They take things very much at face value and may not always understand the context of the conversation. Some may be oversharers because of this. Um, And also just seeking emotional comfort from others. Uh, Because of those social social cues, um, there's sometimes a difficulty with understanding how to have those exchanges in a healthy way because if they're not able to fully recognize emotions in themselves and other people, they may not know when they need to seek comfort or emotional support from other people. As far as the repetitive body movements, this was something else that stood out to me pretty significantly with my son. So some of those um, will be like rocking, um, hand flapping, spinning, and running back and forth. My son does all of those things. Um, And typically they'll call this stimming, which is really just short for like stimulating behaviors. So you may notice your child or an individual that you work with that has autism will do little things that in retrospect, you wouldn't necessarily think is something wrong or abnormal, but they're doing it um, just because it, you know, it makes them feel good. It helps with their sensory inputs and outputs. And my son typically will, he'll watch like a television show and then you'll notice he'll stop looking at the show and then he'll start rocking back and forth and he'll look up in the ceiling and he'll look at the different corners of the ceiling and then he'll start making like his verbal verbal sounds which almost if I had to describe them sound kind of like bird calls in a way like almost like a cockatoo or or something like that Um, so it's not anything verbally that I can make out. It's really just like a sound. Some children that stem may mumble, they may babble. If they are verbal, there may just be, you know, certain words that they say or certain parts of a song that they really like that they keep repeating. My son definitely loves running back and forth. He rarely walks anywhere unless um, we're outside. Spinning was something that he did a lot. And the reason the spinning stood out to me is because I noticed his eyes would be looking out the corner of his eyes when he's spinning. That is something that I did as a kid. So at first it wasn't anything that I noticed because I feel like what child doesn't try to look at a specific object and spin and continue trying to look at that object. But it was something that he did pretty regularly. I also noticed that he became obsessed with things like spinning wheels, the fan. Um, He loves cars because they have wheels. So there was a lot of repetitive motions with objects as well. Um, So like flipping light switches on and off, uh, opening and closing cabinets. Again, all things that children of normal development would do but not necessarily to the point of it seeming like some sort of obsession or compulsion. 
Um, so he gravitated towards toys and stuff that had some sort of spinning, um, you know, staring at lights. He loved light up toys. He loved things like the fan. He was very big on turning it on and off and watching it spin and watching it stop. They tend to also have ritualistic behaviors. Um, so like lining up objects, repeatedly touching things in a certain way or in a certain order. My son is very regimented with routines um, and he likes to do things in a specific order all the time. And if something changes, he may get confused and may get upset and he may want to start over. Um, so I'm, I'm noticing that a lot more now that he's three and he has a morning routine. He likes it to go a certain way because you can tell he's expecting that next step. And if that step doesn't come, he may he may have an emotional reaction to that. So as far as the, relig- the ritualistic behaviors, I noticed that my son's ability to play with toys is very different from other children. You know, other children may take toys and they may have imaginative play. They may make planes fly. They, you know, make the noises associated with those toys, like the beeping of a bus or the siren sound of a police car. My son's way of playing with a lot of toys is to line them up in, um, on the floor. Sometimes he lines them up by shapes. Sometimes he lines them up by colors, uh, numbers, things like that. So he does really well with like memory type games. Um, he does really well with like labeling things because he's so focused on those smaller details that he doesn't do things like make two dolls talk to each other or put the baby to sleep or wash the baby's hair. He doesn't do those specific things. So that was something else that stood out to me. Um, so narrow and extreme interests on specific topics. That's something that I touched on briefly. My son has very specific interests. When he's interested in something, that's what he's interested in. So like the cars, the trucks, that's his thing. At one point, it was dinosaurs. He really loved dinosaurs. Um, what else? He really loved Toy Story. He loved the Incredibles movie. <clears throat> and these are movies that he can watch over and over and over and over and over and over. And again, children with normal development love watching the same thing over and over and over and over. So it may not be something that you, as a parent, may notice because... You're just thinking that that's your child's favorite movie. There's a possibility that the child could have, um, you know, some symptoms of autism. It really all depends until all these other pieces kind of come into play. And then you get a clear picture like, okay, this is what it might be. So again, the need for unvarying routine and resistance to change. My son definitely has an emotional reaction when things change. Something as simple as we didn't drive the car today, we took a cab, can throw off his whole day because he is upset <laughs> and he wants to know why, you know, we're doing this. And I granted, he can't really verbalize those things to me. You can tell in his reaction, there's some level of confusion there. So he expects 
certain things. And I like that he's now in a program that has a pretty set routine. He knows when he goes there that he has to take off his coat, he has to wash his hands, and then they get ready for circle time. And then they sing certain songs, um, they call each other's name and all those things. And he knows what to expect. So for example, if the school's closed today, or even a couple of days, or his daycare is closed, he's a completely different child. When it's time for him to go back, it's a tantrum. He knows where he is, but he doesn't want to be there. And, you know, it can be very difficult. So these are things that I try to be mindful of when I am working with him. I try my best to keep his transitions minimal. Um, Sometimes what I use, I use like a transitional toy or object to help him transition from one place to another. Um, he knows that when he has that specific object or that specific toy, where he's going, and he knows that once he gets there, he has to hand it to me. It's not always the easiest handover because sometimes the act of handing it back to me is a lot for him, but I feel like it's helpful because it, it allows him to know that we are sticking to you know, his routine and we're not trying to deviate from it. So a lot of people ask what is the reason for autism, what causes it. And, you know, the simple answer is we don't know. And a lot of people don't like to hear that because I know autism is a diagnosis that a lot of parents try to run from because they are worried about how the diagnosis will impact their child and their learning. But, you know, research does indicate that genetics are potentially involved In majority of cases, um, you know, typically if one parent has a child with ASD, the likelihood of them having another child, like a second or third child with ASD is very likely because there is some sort of genetical component to it. Um, Parents who tend to be older apparently have a higher risk of having a child with autism. However, there are supports out there. Um, So again, like I said earlier, the fact that I think we as a society are learning the symptoms a lot earlier, we're looking at these things and we're learning what to look for a lot earlier, we can get interventions and supports in place a lot earlier. I mentioned earlier, early intervention is pretty much the way to go. Um, You know, they have a lot of evaluators and specialists that can provide services for your children that can really help them with improving their learning, improving their communication and their social skills. Um, Ultimately, all of this is linked to brain development. So we have what's called ABA, which is Applied Behavior Analysis. It's a type of therapy that bases principles on some of the most researched items regarding autism and behavioral interventions. My son gets ABA both at his program and also in home. And what I like about ABA is it doesn't have to be solely focused on like educational learning. It can be focused on the day-to-day daily living skills. So some of the things that my son's ABA uh, therapist works with him on is like potty training, um, undressing himself and putting his clothes on, you know, learning how to cross the street and being aware that there's danger in cars, um, you know, so also social settings. So 
One thing that's been difficult for me as a parent, especially because my son is still a toddler, is integrating him into social settings and expecting him to act like other children. Um, I've seen myself shy away from things like birthday parties because I feel compelled to explain to people that my son has this disorder and he doesn't know any better when realistically he's a child and it's not easy, you know, going to a lot of these places with toddlers. But I feel like because he has this added layer to him that it makes it difficult for me when he's just being a kid the other kids are just being kids. The parents probably really aren't paying attention and they probably don't care, but it's something that I had to work on for myself, my own anxiety and my own beliefs about how he's being perceived by other people. It made it very difficult. So ABA has actually benefited me also because it's shown me how I can safely integrate him into social settings without that extra fear. Um, and anxiety related to how other people are perceiving him, but it's preparing him for these social interactions. It's helping him learn how to behave in these areas, um, what he has access to and what he doesn't have access to. So it's really helpful because I feel like he is learning a lot about himself. He's learning a lot about his education. He's getting to know people. He's not scared of people anymore. He is very social. Um, for a child with autism, he likes to give hugs um, and he likes to say hi and bye now. So he's he's definitely making some progress and I've been doing my best as a parent to make sure that he has the same opportunities as other children. Although it may look a little differently, I don't want him to feel like he's different just because he has this diagnosis. And I think that that's really important because the world is not necessarily going to change for him to accommodate him. So I work with him on those skills to make sure that he is able to integrate the way that he can as best as he can. I do feel like society should adjust because there are children out there with different you know, disabilities and disorders that uh, impact their ability to function properly in the world. But we all know that, unfortunately, that's not fully realistic. They do try, but everything isn't going to be a fix-all. So I just try my best to do what he needs to do, show him what he needs to do, and to get him where he needs to be. And I'm going to continue doing that and finding more opportunities for him and allowing him to just be a kid because that's what he is. One day he will be an adult and it is my hope that by then with all the support, he will be okay. He will be a fully functioning adult that hopefully won't need as much support as he does as a toddler. So as a therapist, that is my goal and that's my focus and you know, these young years don't come back. So I'm doing my best to make sure that he gets to enjoy his childhood. So that's a little bit about autism. If you want to learn more about autism, there are definitely many resources online. 
Um, Autism Speaks is a really great resource if you want to look at like statistics and different functions and fundraisers that they may have. Um, So definitely start there. And if you have any questions or concerns, definitely reach out to me. You can send me an email or you can send me a DM at Cultivated Truth on Instagram and I'll be sure to respond to you. I will see you all next week for another episode of the Healing Pack podcast. Be well, be encouraged, and have a great rest of your week.